Welcome to The Talk at Revolution, where each week we explore what it looks like to find Jesus and live like Him in a practical way. At Revolution Community Church, we know that we are better together. Each week, we look to celebrate Jesus, connect with others, and contribute to the church, community, and beyond. If you'd like to connect with Revolution or take a next step, please visit us at revolutioncc.org or at our Logansport, Indiana campus located at 3930 East Market Street. And now, we hope you are encouraged and challenged by this talk. The path of building God's kingdom here on earth is winding, long, tough, with obstacles at every turn. But we aren't sent off in this journey alone and unprepared. He leads the way and gives us the tools we need to train, to work, to bring up there, down here. We are equipped with His lavish grace, with Christ in us overflowing, with a body of fellow kingdom builders all working together, walking as children of light, speaking the truth in love, and living as servants and warriors. Till His kingdom come, are you ready? Are you ready this morning? Who's ready? You guys awake? Ready for this? Awesome. Uh, So I'm just going to tell you right out of the gate what we're going to talk about today. Um, What kind of the theme word is that we're going to dive into the Ephesians text and look at. uh, This word transformation. Does anyone have an area of your life where you would like to see some transformation? Some change happen? Like just me? Okay, I see one half hand, a couple hand, yeah. Like, I think all of us, we have these areas of life we want to see God transform. We want to see change happen in our lives. We want to move forward from, from where we are to where we want to be. And, and we, we love this word at revolution, this word transformation. Actually, the name of our church comes from this word. One of the definitions for the word revolution is dramatic change transformation. That's where we came up with the name for our church. We want to be a a church that's all about seeing lives transformed, communities transformed, um, families transformed, marriages transformed. So this is going to be our word for today. Today, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to look through this whole passage, the second half of the chapter. It talks all about this word, because an equipped church is a church that invites God in to transform our lives, our families, our community. So, uh, before I dive into the text, though, there's there's an individual revolutionary that has seen quite a big transformation take place in his life over the past year. And so, we're just going to get a snippet of his story today. Would you help welcome uh, Officer Sam Fry to the revolution stage? Keep it going. He's walking down the aisle, so keep that. Yeah. And you got the Cobra Kai. No, no, Eagle Fang. Eagle Fang. Eagle Fang Karate. Um, I think I I saw Jason, Officer Scheidler, with the Eagle Fang Karate shirt on recently, too. So so we're going to do a quick flex off. I'm just kidding. No. Uh, So Sam has seen uh, quite a transformation, but before we kind of get into just a little bit of your story, um, I know your wife is getting baptized today, so uh, it's awesome transformation. Yeah, come on, give it up for that. 
So just tell us first, like, what does that mean for her, for you, for your family that she's taking this step? Uh, it's, it's a huge step. Um, not just for her, not just for me, but for our family, for setting an example for our daughter. Um, I kind of grew up in the church. Uh, she did not. It was, you know, you grow up. I knew that from an early age, I was accept, I accepted Christ. From an early age, I got baptized. Uh, never missed a Sunday. It was just something you did. I knew it. Uh, but for her, she didn't start going to church till we started dating when she was like 19 years old. So she came into the church not knowing all the background, how everything works. Um, so she thought that to be baptized, you had to be at a certain point mm. in your religious faith, right? That she was going to, you know, go to try to get baptized and talk to the pastor, and she was going to answer some questions wrong, and he was going to be like, nope, not ready. <laughs> you can't be baptized today. Um, so it was actually uh, recently we joined a life group where she kind of heard about baptism from a different source, you know, somebody else telling her besides me, because, you know, wives always listen to their husbands so intently. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, so when she heard it from them that, you know, it's not – you have to be good enough, you have to be at a certain point, it's actually kind of the first step uh, after, after accepting Christ, you know, it's that public profession of faith, it's you telling everybody else, this is what I have, this is what I want everybody to know, I have it, and yeah. kind of move from there. That's awesome. Yeah, so that's, that's what it is, it's that next step, and we're going to celebrate with 11 people taking that next step today, and so I know I can look around, I see some of you uh, getting ready, or ready to take that step. So, so give, just give us, I know, like I said, transformation, that's our word today. And as I thought about that word and you know, read through the text, I'm like, there's a guy I've seen look different um, over the past year and seen transformed. And so just give us the Cliff Notes version of that story over this past year. Um, so I decided to get back into shape starting in uh, February during you know, COVID, February 2020. Um, I was weighing 323 pounds. Uh, and decided to diet and exercise, and now I'm down to 220 pounds. So I've lost I think do we have a picture. We have a picture of this kind of before yeah, and before. I guess you don't need the other picture, but yeah. just it, just in case. Now I'll go ahead and throw the picture of me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're not doing. Uh, so yeah, so amazing transformation. What what happened? Like what, what's some of the things or you know that, that happened in your life to cause this? So. Growing up, I've always been the big guy. Um, you know, I played football through school. It was always bigger than everybody else. Um, and when I went to college, played defensive line. Coaches got me even bigger. So I played uh, D-line weighing like 285 pounds. So weighing 260 plus was always normal. That was how, how big I was supposed to be. Um, and then as life happens, you know, getting married, working full time. Um, my daughter was born premature. so. That changes everything, uh, working out and staying in shape and everything like that just kind of got put in the back burner. Um, and, you know, every year you gain five, six, seven pounds. Y you don't notice it, but after 10 years, you know, six, seven pounds a year, that's 60, 70 pounds that you've gained. Um, so I hit, you know, my highest of uh, 320, uh, 332. Uh, I was coaching wrestling, um, just noticing, you know, I was sluggish and I'm big. And that I needed to get back into shape. I wasn't able to do the things I used to be able to do. Uh, so I told my wife I was that we need to, I need to get back into shape. And my brother had recently uh, started doing the keto, low carb diet. Lost like 60 pounds. Yeah, that's so a lot of fun. Yeah, keto. it is. It's a lot of fun. No sugar. No no bread. Uh, so my brother lost like 60 pounds in like six months. So my wife's like, all right, we're gonna do that. Mm. 
so uh, in February we decided to start the diet. Um, it worked really easy for me. I didn't have a lot of problems with it, and I dropped 60 pounds in like six months. Um, then with being smaller, feeling better, uh, got back into the weight room and just realized like how much I missed that weightlifting aspect. You know, I kind of stopped because I had an injury in college football and that made me not be able to lift. But get back into it and just slowly being able to set goals and, and achieve those. So yeah. it became, you know, about what weight I was going to weigh first. And then now that I hit those, then it's, you know, now a new max that I want to lift or a new, you know, want to get the six pack abs, have them visible. <laughs> uh, but I'm able to just set those small goals. And it's been big for me to be able to achieve goals and show, you know, my daughter and show the kids that I coach that, you know, you can set these goals and what the hard work looks like to obtain them. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And so how is faith factored in? Because I know you have a strong faith, and, and of course it's a goal and, and hard work, like you said, and we're, we're not going to dismiss that today, that right. definitely the hard work of transformation. But what, what, how is faith kind of factored into it? So my faith kind of just develops my mental philosophy and everything like that, um, where I know that God is not going to give any task to me that I can't accomplish that I can do all things in Christ who gives me strength. Um, but I also know that he's not going to do it for me. So, like, Noah in the Bible is when God tells him to build an ark, God doesn't just magically make an ark appear. Noah has to put in the work and build the ark. 120 years. Can you imagine that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, for me, I know that I still have to put in the work of any goal or task that I need to achieve, any obstacle that God's put in front of me. I can accomplish it, but... I have to do the work to accomplish it, um, and that even if I don't accomplish it, even if it's a goal that, you know, seems insurmountable and I don't accomplish it, that at least he's going to give me the ability to learn from that, hmm. or maybe somebody else who's watching from the outside can see it, and maybe they learn something from it. Awesome. Yeah. So it really shapes that mental philosophy around the change, which is what we're going to talk about right. today. So. Thanks so much, man, for sharing. And give it up for Sam one more time. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Uh, so if you want to turn in the, the, the text, again, we've been in, uh, this equip theme is all about the letter to the Ephesian church in the first century. And we're at chapter four now. We, we've looked at some of the theology in the first three chapters. And now uh, chapter four is where it starts to get very practical. And so week one of this theme, we looked at the first half of the, the fourth chapter. We're going to look at the second half today. And, and here, so here's how Paul starts this section on transformation. We're going to start at verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. And I, I underline that thinking word because I think it's so important to, to grasp at the beginning of this whole section where, where Paul's going to explain through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit what transformation looks like, how does this happen? He starts by calling out bad thinking. He, he starts by calling out futile thinking, pointless thinking is what that word means. It's just not working because right here, this is often where transformation in our lives gets stuck. Like, we, like not fully developed thoughts or understanding fully what God says about transformation. We, it, the, the thinking must change on what change looks like. So Craig Groeschel in his newest book, Winning the War in Your Mind, here's what he says. 
your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. The way you think directs your life. How you think will determine how you live. And we, we simply have, all of us, we have ways of thinking that are futile. They're off base. They're not helpful. They're wrong. They're not fully developed. And so th this is so important in the transformation process. In another letter Paul wrote, he said this to, this to a church in Rome. And this was actually a theme verse at the beginning of this year as we walked through this emotionally healthy disciple theme. Uh, Paul said this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And so in this fourth week, what we really want to do is, is reframe how we think about transformation by looking at this text. And the first thing I, I just want to make sure we're all clear on, and this shouldn't be new information for most of us at least, like the first thing we really need to get before we dive into the text and in, in the details of transformation is transformation is God's specialty. God specializes in doing this. It, it said in, in Romans 12 too, let God transform you. Meaning, it doesn't say make God transform you. It doesn't say demand for God to transform you. It says let him do it because he's all about it. This is what he does. And so we just need to be open to his advice and his wisdom and his next steps and what he says about it. He specializes in this, so let's let God do the work. Uh, has anybody seen um, 24 Hours to Hell and Back with Gordon Ramsay, Chef Gordon Ramsay? Anybody watch that show at all? No, no, just me? Okay, so that show, it's a, it, there's all kinds of shows like this, but Chef Gordon Ramsay, uh, one of the nicest guys on the planet, <laughs> he, goes, he goes to these failing restaurants around the United States and in 24 hours turns the restaurant around, like transforms a restaurant. And I mean, he rebrands the restaurant, remodels the dining area. Of course, he's got this huge team. He retrains the staff. He reworks the menu. He confronts the owner oftentimes. Gordon Ramsay is a master of, of seeing issues in a restaurant, seeing issues in staff, seeing issues in management or whatever, calling the issues out and setting the, this restaurant off in a new direction. Now, God does not have the demeanor of Gordon Ramsay. I'm so thankful for that. God does not put our head between two pieces of bread and call us an idiot sandwich. That is clever. That's not right, okay? That's, what, that's in one of the episodes. So God operates within a word we talked about last week, grace. So thankful for that word. But he also speaks truth to us in love and gives us specific direction on how to move forward and, and, and see transformation take place, okay? So again, so this is what God specializes in. Let him do the work, but there's some work for us to do. So let's go back to Ephesians 4 now. Let me read verse 17 one more time. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Now, last week was really about heart transformation. Grace, that's what can transform a heart. Listen if you, if you missed last week. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. And so what, what Paul's doing, he's really setting the stage for we need transformation. Like he's, he talks, we're dark, where there's futile thinking, we're separated from God, we're ignorant, we have hard hearts, we've lost sensitivity, we've given over to sin, we're self-indulgent, all these things. We, full of greed, we need transformation. Verse 20 is where he starts to shift. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. 
you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And that's it. Like, that's how we need to think about transformation. Again, Paul reiterates, it, our mind needs to be transformed. Our thinking plays a key role. And transformation, it's two parts, it's two steps. It's going to seem so simple as I lay it out, but we'll, we'll, get, we'll get really practical with it. Transformation is these two steps. We have to put off and put on. We have to put off the old self and put on the new self. And you're like, okay, well, what does that even mean? Well, so he begins to illustrate it through different things that we want to see transformation take place in. Uh, verse 25, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Now, let me stop there and just make sure we're getting this, because he, he illustrates it in so many other ways. But let me ask this question. When is a liar no longer a liar, according to what we just read here, God's transformation plan in Ephesians 4? Most of us would say a liar is no longer a liar when they stop telling lies, right? Like if, if I can just get my kids to stop telling lies, they're not a liar. You know, if I can get my staff to stop cheating on the time card, or, or if, I could, if I just stop telling lies, I'm not a liar anymore. God's transformation plan says a liar is no longer a liar, not just when they stop telling lies, but when they start telling the truth. They have to put off and then put on. They have to put off the old self and then put on the new self. Because just not lying, that's, that's not transformation. That's just an alteration, right? That, that's just one step in the transformation process. And by the way, transformation is a process. It's not a project. It's not something you finish. It's something that we continually live. We have to continually take these two steps, put off, put on. And true transformation is when a total 180 is taking place. Not just a 90 degree shift, but a total, the, the biblical word, I've talked about this before, is repentance. I'm changing and walking. I'm changing directions and walking a new direction. I'm not just turning from something old, I'm turning to something new. It's, I'm, I'm convicted of this negative way of thinking and behaving, I'm putting that off, and then I'm putting on a new way of thinking and living. You starting to get it? Okay, Ephesians 4 gives us some other illustrations, and let's keep going. And, and notice every verse has a conjunction in it, meaning like this needs to happen, and this, but this, okay? In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Now, we could go deeper into that, but it gets, it gets simpler in the other verses, so we'll explain it through the other verses. Verse 28, anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Don't miss this one. Verse 29, do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Now he's, now he's getting to, to our world some probably. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. When, when is a thief no longer a thief? 
Well, not just when they stop stealing. And stealing, you know, of course, is not just robbing a convenience store, which maybe no one has had that issue in the room. Maybe you have. But it's, it's I mean, a thief is cheating on anything financially, right? Cheating on, ta- on taxes or whatever. But, but a thief is no longer a thief, not when they just stop stealing, but when they also put on hard work and generosity. They put off the, the, the stealing, but they put on something else. If you don't work hard, according to this, you're still a thief. If you're not a giver to God and others, if you haven't put on something new, you're still a thief. I'm not saying this. This is, a, this is what the text is saying. It says, put off unwholesome talk, right? Words that, that shouldn't be spoken. This isn't just like cuss words. This is anytime our tongue gets out of control. Anytime we get driven by emotion and we gossip and backbite and slander and all these different things that are mentioned. Like we, we have to put that off And it says, don't stop there, though. Put on encouragement, edification, words of affirmation. This is God's transformation plan. We have to put off the old self, but you can't stop there. We have to put on a new self. Let let me keep reading, okay? Let me just finish the chapter. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander. So he just starts hitting on all kinds of things along with every form of malice. You know, put all that stuff off, but don't stop there. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. This is our family's theme verse, by the way. Still working on it. So you have to put off and put on. Put off the old self, put on the new self. Is starting to come together a little bit? And why would God not want us to stop at step one? Why would God not want us to stop at step one? Because he wants transformation to happen that is lasting. If I've just turned from something wrong or unhealthy or hurtful, but I haven't turned to what is good and right and holy, it's so much easier to go back to that old lifestyle. But if I'm walking in a new, different direction, and the, like that old life's back here, it's not even in my peripheral view, I'm not going back. Because things in our peripheral view, when we just make a tweak, we put off the old self, things in our peripheral view are very tempting. This is why I have to be super intentional driving down Market Street in Logansport or Main Street in Peru. Because there are two places on those, right off those roads called Sycamore Ice Cream and East End Double Dip. And if I, if I just, if I catch a glimpse and the line's short, zoop, you know, if I got three bucks in the pocket, right, especially if it's butter pecan day over here at Sycamore. So things in our peripheral, but if we're going a different direction, there's, there's lasting change. This is God's transformation plan to put off the old self. Don't stop there. Put on a new self. Put on a new self. Let me take this a little bit deeper. I want to show us a chart that, that I think takes this teaching to the next level. And, and, and you, we can use this chart to think through transformation in any area of our life. And this is actually, we've put this chart on uh, our resources page, revolutioncc.org forward slash resources. If you scroll down to equip, there's all kinds of things from this theme that are, that are there. And this would be a great tool to just download, print it off this week. Or you can just do this on a piece of paper. But there are three areas of our life that God wants to change. Our desires, our heart, our thoughts, our mind, and our actions, our behavior, right? God wants to transform us to be more like Jesus. His kingdom come, his will be done in our life, right? 
Helping people find Jesus and live like him. That is our mission. We want to live more like Jesus, and we want to see transformation take place in those three areas. And so I find it's best to work kind of backwards on the put-off side of this because it's so much easier to see behaviors in me, actions that I'm living out that I want to see change, that I want to see God change in my life. Let God do the work, right? But there's work for me to do as well. So it's, it's so much easier to kind of work backwards on the put-off behavior side. And so let me just use an example that I've thought, thought through before in my life. One of the actions that used to be part of my life was I would have like a long day at the church with maybe some difficult meetings or maybe I would even have to preach a funeral or, or message preparation, which can be taxing and, and, and you know, draining at different times, like trying to figure out, God, what do you want to share with our church this weekend? And, and so I had this habit, especially early on in parenting, where I would go home and I would want to just sit in front of the TV and completely, you know, just be like, take a break, like, or grab a social media app and just scroll aimlessly for hours. But I didn't want to live this way. I didn't want to be that disengaged father that let YouTube raise their kids in the evening. You know, I, so I, this was an action. So I wanted to put off this action of being lazy after work. That's kind of what, you know, label, label. What is that thing that we want to see God change? And so our behavior always flows from our thoughts, right? Remember that quote from earlier, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So I started to think about, okay, what, why do I do this? What are the thoughts that justify this action? And here's the word that became present with my thoughts. I deserve I deserve. I, I worked hard today, so I deserve to just take a break and relax when I get home from work. Everyone needs time to relax, so I deserve this time in the evening. And then when we boil it down to desires, it's pretty easy to label the desire. Let's go ahead and throw that on there. Uh, to please me, what I want, right? And, and desires, there's really only three things that we could fill in the blank on the desires portion here. We, our life is ultimately about one of three things. I'm going to please me, I'm going to please you, I'm going to please other people, or I'm going to please God. That's, that's all the options we have really in that blank there. Is my life about what I want, and as a Jesus follower, and maybe you're not there yet, but as a Jesus follower, my life is not about me, uh, and I can't live to please others. That is an aimless, anxious pursuit. Have you tried that? Doesn't work. So it's not about pleasing others. It's about ultimately pleasing God. And sometimes I'll please others. Sometimes I won't. Sometimes it'll please me. Sometimes it won't. But I have to put that desire off and shift it to pleasing God. Pleasing God. And when I think about pleasing God, I realize I don't deserve anything. Actually, I talked about this last week. You know what I deserve? You know what we deserve? To be a pile of ashes on the sidewalk from multiple lightning strikes from God throughout our life because I've messed up so many things, right? But I didn't get that. I received mercy and grace. We talked all about it. Like, I don't deserve anything. And when I start to realize that, when I start to please God, I realize I don't deserve. I am called to serve. I serve. We've talked about this, this whole theme. That's who we are called to be, a servant. And because I'm a servant, and servants live to help others and serve others, I start to think differently. Working 10 hours doesn't give me the right to just sit on my butt all night. And, and really, I'm not getting off work. I'm going to work. 
a more important work, the most important work of my life right now with where my kids are at and their ages and stuff. Like I, I do, so I don't deserve, even though my mind and body are tired, I don't deserve a break from the job that is the most important job in my life. I'm a servant. And I'm telling you, even just, just thinking about it in this way just gives energy and fuel to live out a new action. When our desires and thoughts change, we get this new action leading my family well. Is this making sense? This is God's plan of transformation. I, I know this is stepping on toes, like mine included. I'm, so I, I need this probably more than anyone today. So this is Ephesians 4. This is God's transformation plan. So the question is, what do you need to put off and put on this week? What is it? Like, is it putting off self-indulgence and putting on self-discipline? Is it putting off hate and putting on love? Is it putting off greed and putting on generosity? You can't stop at one. You got, we got, is it putting off bitterness and putting on forgiveness? And what does it specifically look like in our desires, our thoughts, and our actions in a specific area of our life? This is God's transformation plan. Here's what I love about sharing this today. Today's Baptism Sunday. We're getting ready to celebrate with some individuals that are taking a step that is symbolic of transformation. Because they are going to go under the water here in just a moment. It is symbolic of death, like Jesus dying on the cross. My old self, I'm putting it off. In the it's old self gone. I'm coming up. It's symbolic of the resurrection of Jesus. I am putting on a new self through his transformation power. Here's what's awesome. Not only does God give us a plan for transformation, just like we talked about, he gives us power. He tells us that same power that raised his dead body out of a tomb lives in us and empowers us to live transformed lives. So as the band sings a couple songs, as we celebrate with individuals taking this symbolic step, publicly stating like, hey, old self gone, new self, I'm living for you, I'm living for Christ. Let, let it be a challenge to all of us in certain areas of our life. Like this transformation can happen. It really can. It really can. So let's get ready to celebrate together as the band leads us in a couple songs.